Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. First Republic, PacWest, Silicon Valley Bank, just a few of the latest casualties in the banking crisis. Don't wait for the email reading, sorry, your account has been frozen. Your accounts aren't safe. Call American Alternative Assets at 866-3USA-GOLD to claim your free gold and silver guide today. Once again, call now, 866-387-2465. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Great to have you with us. Smoke from Canadian wildfires continues to threaten the health of millions of Americans from the Midwest all the way to the eastern seaboard. New York City this week recording the worst ever air quality reading as Canada, ironically, was celebrating their National Clean Air Day. I think it could use a little work, don't you? Canada's still struggling to get those wildfires under control as some 10 million acres have already been scorched and half the fires raging from British Columbia to Quebec and Nova Scotia are still burning out of control. Smoke from those wildfires causing the highest level of health alerts in the nation's capital. Code purple alerts going out across the district as the dense toxic smog rolled over the capital. The purple alert signifies the most dangerous levels of pollutants in the air. On Capitol Hill, a political confrontation between the House Oversight Committee and the FBI ended when the FBI turned over subpoenaed documents for Chairman James Comer's committee to read. This resolution to the conflict came after a month-long contentious battle with FBI Director Christopher Wray and a potential contempt of Congress vote for the director. Wray finally caved, as Chairman Comer put it. Yesterday, the FBI met with a committee at a secure skiff on Capitol Hill and allowed all members of the committee to view that form. The document, the FD-1023 as it's known, reportedly giving a better understanding of the Biden crime family and the role they played in working with the Ukrainian oil company Burisma. That's right, it all goes back to Ukraine. Following a House oversight meeting yesterday, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke to the press about some of what they had read on that form. Reading this form today uh, shows the pure distinction. This, this information, this source that came forward, it's a paid informant by the FBI. This has nothing to do with Giuliani. This has nothing to do with the information that he brought forward in 2020. It's totally separate, and it's extremely credible because he's a paid informant. Um, I made some notes after I left the skiff um, based on the information, and I'll, I'll share that with you guys right now. Um, basically, what was happening there is back in 2015, 2016, Burisma was looking to buy uh, a U.S.-based oil and gas company. And this came from being advised by Hunter Biden and his partners. Um, Biden had told, Biden said Shokin was corrupt. That was around the time of this meeting. 
was when Joe Biden, as vice president, had said that the prosecutor Shokin was corrupt. They hired Hunter on the board to make the problems go away. That's what they specifically said. The prosecutor Biden wanted fired was Victor Shokin. Here is Vice President Biden in 2018 publicly bragging about having that prosecutor who was investigating Burisma fired. I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Biden accused Shokin of being corrupt, demanding he be fired, at least publicly. But it appears Biden was actually taking care of business and allegedly earning $10 million in bribes for the Biden crime family. Prosecutor Shokin has since been exonerated of all of Biden's charges. And according to the paid FBI informant, the owner of Burisma didn't think too highly of Hunter Biden. Donor Burisma said that Hunter was stupid and that his other business partner was smart. He also said that he paid $5 million to one Biden and he paid $5 million to another Biden. And it was all a bribery to get Shokin fired and end the investigation into Burisma. Perhaps the most troubling piece of information contained in that document is the question that we've all long wondered about. Was Joe Biden ever paid directly? Here's what the owner of Burisma allegedly told the FBI informant. He said at the time there were no direct payments made to the big guy, but in a meeting later, after he had become more upset as things were unfolding, he told the informant that he has two pieces of evidence showing proof of payment to Hunter and specifically Joe Biden. And there you have it. The reason that the FBI did not want to turn over that document. Our guest today is joining us some 400 miles south of Ukraine. Joining us from Bucharest, Romania, is none other than Judicial Watch's Chris Farrell. Chris is the Director of Investigations and Research for Judicial Watch. And Chris, welcome. First of all, I just have to say thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule while you're in Europe. Well, I can tell you that uh, it's always a pleasure to be on your show, Lou. I'd always take time out to do it because... Uh, Yours is a very important voice, and it's a great opportunity to be able to get on with you and talk about all things uh, Judicial Watch. And uh, it's a glorious day here in, uh, in Central Europe. Maybe, uh, for a little while, a couple of weeks here in uh, beautiful Budapest, Hungary. And uh, the weather's been great. Hungary's a great place. Uh, the Prime Minister here, Viktor Orban, is uh, 
very Trumpian, and uh, the U.S. media smears the hell out of him, calling him all kinds of names, much like they did Trump. Uh, but don't believe a word of it. It's a great country. It is a great country. He's got a remarkable record as a leader. As you say, the left-wing national media, the left-wing corporatist media, reviles him uh, and attempts to uh, absolutely devastate him with every uh, article that they, if they do feel like writing one. It, why that tension and why is, is it as straightforward as left and right? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, of course, the left can't stand. It drives them crazy that there's a successful, prosperous uh, country led by a conservative government in the very heart of Europe. That makes them go out of their minds right off the bat. But there's a couple of other factors at play. Number one, uh, the European Union tried to jam an LGBTQ, et cetera, et cetera, a school curriculum on Hungary, and the Hungarians held a referendum. They asked the Hungarian people whether they wanted it, and they overwhelmingly, up in the 90th percentile, rejected it. And they said, no, we're not buying into the whole gender ideology nonsense. And so that makes the European Union crazy. The second point that makes the European Union crazy is Hungary has defined borders, and they refuse to be overrun, and they refuse to accept people who try to unlawfully break into their country. So the migration thing is out. They don't accept it. And then the third point, which makes uh, Americans crazy, makes European Union crazy, is uh, the Hungarians have said, look, we'll give humanitarian relief. We've accepted 1.75 million Ukrainians through the country. And they've done all sorts of humanitarian efforts, but they're not interested in uh, supplying weapons to Ukraine. They, the position of the Hungarian government is uh, the faster we get to a ceasefire and peace negotiations, the better. And they're not interested in jumping on the war machine bandwagon and seeing uh, more people die. So uh, that those points are distinctly you know, EU contrarian, and uh, it makes them nuts, and they keep trying to bring as much pressure to bear as they can on the country here. Victor Orban, then, is a rational, pragmatic uh, conservative, uh, as you describe him. Uh, I wish the rest yep. of the European uh, governments were uh, had leaders as rational and also as uh, effective uh, as Victor Orban. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the smear that they use, as they say, oh, because because he's not willing to jump on the war bandwagon and send, you know, arms and munitions to Ukraine. They say, oh, he's a, he's a puppet of Putin. Well, he's about as much of a puppet of Putin as Trump was. It's just, it's a ridiculous notion. The Hungarians were occupied by the Soviet army for 46 years. Uh, they only got cut loose in 1991 with the collapse of the Warsaw Pact. They know exactly what the Russians are all about, and they can't stand them. Uh, so when the left you know, throws out this, oh, you're close to Russia routine, it, it really irritates the Hungarians because it's, it's a savage lie. Uh, they're just not interested in seeing a lot of Ukrainians die and realize Ukraine is right next door. They share a border with them. 
So this is not some faraway political concept. This is their next door neighbor. And they see what the consequences of the war are. And they say, look, the faster you get to a solution, the faster you end this thing, the better everyone is. And I think that's a pretty rational approach to the whole thing. As you say, these lies, these Russian lies, the the left, the Marxist left cannot come up with a new act. It's collusion, collusion, collusion with Russia, which is just as as irrelevant as it can be to U.S. politics right now, uh, as it has been for about a decade or so. That is, I'm trying to go back to when was Hillary Clinton's secretary of state. That's the last time it was relevant because she was pressing hard. Hard. Uh, let, let's let's turn, if we may, to to judicial watch here. I know that's not much of a uh, a move for you from from where you are to <laughs> to uh, to judicial watch, but you're doing so many interesting things as usual at judicial watch. And I wanted to take up uh, first and foremost the Durham report, uh, your analysis of and judicial watch's analysis uh, of the Durham report. What an incredible disappointment. Um... You know, he details 306 pages of, uh, you know, criminal activity. He he says he's aware the crimes were committed, and he details at length exactly who was doing what to who when and who had knowledge and, uh, you know, the, the deliberate attempts to unlawfully influence the outcome of a federal election and all the people involved in doing it, and he doesn't charge a soul. I mean, 306 pages, all kinds of activity, all kinds of criminality. And the the lesson is, oh, well, never mind. Uh, That is an enormous disservice to the American public. Uh, And do do you want to see why people lose heart? Do you want to understand why people get disgusted and disgruntled? This is the this is exhibit A uh, for that kind of uh, situation. The other point, I think, that is that on the plus side, it does document on Department of Justice letterhead exactly how bad all these people were and exactly what they were up to. So we now know that on July 26, 2016, Hillary Clinton launched this incredible lie against Trump and that all the leadership, Obama, Biden, uh, you know, uh, Brennan, uh, the whole Comey, the whole chaos together, they all were in on it. Every single one of them is a corrupt SOB. And it's undeniable now. And of course, it also drives a stake through the heart of the whole ridiculous Russia, 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 you know, never ending hoax that occupied uh, years, actually occupied the entire Trump presidency. Absolutely. Um, So, so that, that, I mean, there is a positive thing that documents all the BS. The, The downside though is zero accountability. It's interesting to me. I, the only analog I can think of is that uh, a prosecutor, a district attorney, uh, perhaps a Soros district attorney somewhere in the United States, uh, a group of people rob a bank. They don't bother wearing masks. Uh, they're all sitting there on the bank surveillance uh, video. Uh, the, uh, the, they turn it over to the DA, and the DA asks, well, what do you want me to do with this? And he names the names of all the people who walked into the bank and robbed it, uh, citing all of the crimes and code that was violated. Uh, uh, and 
if they and sends out a letter to the community saying, you know, this this was awful, and this is who's responsible, uh, but we're not of a mind to actually prosecute or hold accountable any of these people. Uh, it, it's just too much trouble. I, I and and walks away from the whole thing. It is the most bizarre special counsel in the history of bizarre special counsels, even the one that was created uh, out of the original falsehood and fraud, uh, the Mueller special counsel. We're going to be talking about that uh, as we continue here with Chris Farrell, Judicial Watch's Chris Farrell, coming right back. Stay with us, folks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is a warning, my fellow Americans. The news just broke and it's grim. The banking collapse of 2023 is now more devastating than the banking collapse of 2008. First Republic, PacWest, Silicon Bank, just a few of the latest casualties in this banking crisis. And don't wait for the email reading, quote, Sorry, your account has been frozen, end quote. Take action now to protect what we've all worked so hard to build. Believe me, you can protect your wealth by utilizing a straightforward tax loophole that's entirely legal. Call my friends at American Alternative Assets. Ask them for your free wealth protection guide. Call 866-3USA-GOLD. That's right, call now, 866 386 2465. This invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take immediately to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals, all without tax consequence. Call American Alternative Assets at 866-3USA-GOLD to claim your free gold and silver guide today. Once again, call now, 866-387-2465. We're back. We're talking with Chris Farrell of Judicial Watch, and we're talking about the Durham report. Uh, Like you, I was immensely disappointed. Like you, I think it's also a valuable document because it sets forth uh, the the reality. It is the record of what happened, and it is an acknowledgement by each of those agencies, in point of fact, that they were scurrilous and corrupt and remain so. Your thoughts? Yeah, and the only other thing I find a little frustrating is that there's a few bad actors and a few sort of sub-conspiracy elements that got left out. So like Joseph Mifsud, he's airbrushed out of the story, right? 
Steph Halper. Some of these characters who are running around uh, building the components or contributing sort of plot lines to this phony Russia uh, uh, Trump story, the guys that were out trying to you know hook people like Papadopoulos and Carter Page, they're, they're lesser characters. They're, you know, they're, their activities certainly, certainly don't compare to Obama and Biden and uh, you know Brennan and Comey sitting around the White House yucking it up that they're going to go out and screw Trump with a phony Russia allegation. I mean, that's off the charts. That that that's a it's a surreal imagery. You you can imagine these people sitting around in a conspiring in the Oval Office. But there are these lesser characters who are up to their necks in uh, in ginning this stuff up, and they somehow have all kind of fallen off the radar screen. The one other point that makes me nuts is that there are people who, quote-unquote, declined, whatever that means, they declined to be interviewed. (laughs) And, I mean, normally uh, you're asked to be interviewed, and then you're subpoenaed to be interviewed, and if you're not cooperating, then you're indicted. I mean, that that's the progression, right? <laughs> they ask once nicely, then they subpoena you. Then if you're still being a jerk and you're not going to play ball, then they subpoena you. Or excuse me, then they indict you. Uh, and and it somehow there's a, there's a special breed of Washington animal that gets to just kind of twist and turn away and, and, and doesn't just elects not to participate. That, to me, is another head scratcher. Well, it's a head scratcher unless you assume, uh, and well, it's actually more than assume, uh, you presume, and uh, rightly so, that John Durham is a creature of William Barr's creation. And William Barr is a creature of the establishment uh, in Washington, D.C. I I don't think that William Barr, for a moment, uh, meant for anything to come of this other than t- uh, to be something, if you will, a, a placeholder uh, and a, a a way to kick it all the way, the can all the way uh, four years distant, and he managed to do so. Uh, it's and Bill Barr. You were talking about the names. No one, no one's talking to Bill Barr. Really, this is the guy that dispatched FBI agents to Twitter to social media. This is the guy who didn't right. intervene, even though he knew President Biden was lying in the second debate, the last debate of the presidential election of 2020. This is the guy who said in the beginning of December, uh, not even a full month uh, after the election, that it was just a terrific election. We found no incidents of fraud. What he didn't say was the FBI did not investigate anywhere that I know of, nor produce any report anyone knows of about the integrity of that election or lack of it. I I mean, we are talking about a major uh, uh, malfactor in in all of this. Uh, It is. And and also remember, the, the FBI and the Department of Justice had in their possession Hunter Biden's laptops, and they watched President Trump get impeached over this phony Ukraine phone call thing. When they when they had in their possession Hunter Biden's, you know, up to his neck in corrupt dealings, laptop, and and all the deals with Burisma and his father and the Ukrainian prosecutor. They knew all this stuff, and they sat there and didn't. Not one peep came out of them, 
and they watched the president go through a phony impeachment over it. And you mentioned that two that they look they're like characters uh, out of a John Lacari uh, novel, uh, Mifsud and Halper, and they play the part beautifully. But it also suggests to you that these are creatures not just of uh, MI6 uh, or CIA. These are uh, these are stars for the Five Eyes. They play big and broad, and they were protected all the way through. Don't you think? You are correct, one hundred percent. And when we look at that, why don't we know more about the Five Eyes and the role of the Australians as well as the Brits and the Italians uh, and our good erstwhile allies that had to be in this up to their eyeballs because the 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 principles of the uh, of the intelligence community, the U.S. intelligence community, were both in the know and on the go uh, in this yeah, uh, conspiracy. It. I mean. They, yeah, they, they were sponsoring and directing it. And there is some indication in the in the Durham report that some uh, MI6 or SIS agents in the UK realized where this was going, and they themselves developed cold feet and uh, essentially said, no way in hell, we're not going any further. Than I mean, they'd already done enough bad stuff, don't get me wrong, but even they, at that, at some point, realized, hey, wait a minute, now we, we've gone a bridge too far on this one. Yeah, they they really I think did acknowledge that certainly a far a far better and to greater effect than did the uh, the USIC. Uh, let's turn to another judicial watch uh, component that I'm uh, really interested in: uh, a hearing announced in the lawsuit seeking release of the manifesto of the Nashville Covenant School shooter. Uh, again, the manifesto is in the hands of a judge. We still now, uh, what is it, a month and a half later, don't know what's in it, and I don't know why, but I do know this. Law enforcement in the United States is doing this more and more and more, giving up the public to the public the information they deserve. The public's right to know is just being discredited uh, by law enforcement and prosecutors alike. You're, I, I just want to compliment you for, for getting involved. Well, thanks. We we actually asked for all the documentation, police reports, et cetera, et cetera, around that shooting. I think either the day it happened or within a day or two thereafter. We were very quick on that, uh, in part because we we're fortunate enough to have uh, some former law enforcement officers on our staff who who kind of you know they they can tell where something's going before the average bear can kind of realize you know what's going on. Right. And so we were very uh, prompt at, at pursuing that. And, uh, you know, I've seen very disturbing reporting. There's an effort, I believe, and I think it's a politically motivated effort uh, in the crazy gender ideology battles that we're currently involved in, where some people have reported or it's been leaked to the press that the information in this guy's manifesto and in the, the documentation or the diaries uh, that it's, quote, too dangerous, close quote, uh, to release to the public, which is, you know, preposterous at face value. Um, there's nothing that's too dangerous. You know, proven in, in days gone by, you know, when uh, the Pentagon Papers are published or when uh, various journals have published, you know, instructions on how to make an atomic bomb in your basement, you know. This idea that somehow the government is going to preempt the publication of something 
just doesn't work that way. And it's a loser every time coming out of the box. So the notion that somehow the, the, these papers are so outrageous and salacious that they can't be published is objectionable at face value. And I think the dirty little secret is there's probably some pretty crazy, wild rhetoric uh, in there because this uh, confused, transgendered individual, uh, my guess is he's probably got a vendetta against uh, Christians, probably has a chip on uh, on their shoulder about uh, who they targeted in during that shooting. And there's probably some, some it's not a good PR look for the gender ideology gang. Well, and you can tell they don't really often care too much about uh, the good optics of what they are espousing uh, and the way in which they are acting. Uh, we're talking with just initial watches, Chris Farrell. We're going to be back about uh, in about just a minute here. Uh, we're going to be talking about some more of that crazed, uh, heated rhetoric uh, emanating usually from Washington, but from almost anywhere in the United States. Now, we continue with Chris Farrell in one moment. Please stay with us. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with Judicial Watch's Chris Farrell. Chris, you, you've inspired me to bring up some more just crazy rhetoric. It is now being reported. Uh, that uh, Hillary Clinton is holding forth, and she has uh, sworn that if Trump were to win in 2024, it would be, quote, end quote, the end of democracy in America. Your reaction? <laughs> uh, anything Hillary Clinton says, I mean, they, they have not yet invented a device in, in science that's capable of detecting, you know, how irrelevant she is, right? There's, there's, if she is, she is beyond, she's somewhere below zero. So, I mean, whatever she has to say, I mean, who cares? She, I guess she gets a, you know, a, a momentary blip or a headline or a chyron across the bottom of the screen, but, uh, you know, if that's what she thinks, great. I look forward to her uh, departure from the country. She can go hang out with her friends uh, on the French Riviera or wherever it is that she goes. That's fine. We'll see you later. <laughs> well, she appears once again in the Durham report. Uh, we find out that uh, the Biden administration dropped four, count them, four investigations of the Clintons 
uh, in the summer of 2021. Biden had been president for about six months. I guess that's where the clock was running. Give him six months and then we'll just drop it all. The FBI and the Department of Justice dropping four investigations of Hillary Clinton. What do you think? Well, you know, they, they uh, somehow it seems the Department of Justice is able to generate uh, four investigations a month uh, for President Trump. So uh, I guess the contrary or the reverse is true for Hillary Clinton. They can dismiss four in a, in a matter of a short period of time. The disparity of treatment, right? The disparity of treatment between the Clinton gang uh, any really of the uh, sort of anointed leftists of the uh, the elite, uh, the, the treatment that they get versus the treatment that uh, Trump gets, or for that matter, any number of conservative, whether they're politicians or political activists or anything else, the the, the double standard, the, the the wide swing of scrutiny from you know microscopically, infinitesimally close in analyzing every uh, stroke of the pen versus the broad sweeping, uh, you know, oh, just cut it loose, no big worries, dismiss it, destroy all the evidence. Uh, we, we don't need to look into this kind of thing. Uh, it, it, it is the average American sees it and knows that they would never be treated the way that Hillary Clinton and her gang are treated. They just they know the double standard. They see it. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I think anybody who's even halfway honest, even to a partisan Democrat, you realize that there's there's two very different stories in the American justice system today. There, there are at least two. And it's it is incredible to me the way in which the the deep state and the Marxist Dems who run the Democrat Party and this puppet impaired president. Uh, they've gotten away with the political persecution of Donald Trump for eight. We're in the eighth year, uh, two impeachments, four years of FBI investigation, one special counsel as president and one now in his post-presidency. Uh, then the Marxist Dems uh, colluding uh, to bring state and local uh, legal actions against him. And not one peep from the ABA, uh, not one peep from business leaders. Uh, this is a sordid and corrupt moment in American history. Uh, and one man stands as the victim. Uh, he is indeed a warrior, uh, a man of immense strength. But Donald Trump is in no way deserving of what treatment uh, he's received from both the Dems, uh, the Marxist Dems and the deep state, but also with the silence of the Republican Party. Yeah, once again, I mean, that's really the, the lesson, besides the critique of the left, which we're very comfortable and familiar with doing. Uh, you know, let's also take a deep breath and look at the absolute total leadership failure uh, on the right. Uh, you know, what, what inspiring and strong and dynamic leadership from the right is, is leading the way, is providing you know, insight and inspiration and, you know, not just tough talk, but tough action. Who's who's out there leading the way? Who's holding the flag and saying, follow me? And the answer is nobody. I mean, that's, you know, Trump is still left to go out and defend himself. He's still left to go out and, you know, go to a CNN town hall and, and rock them back on uh, on their heels, even, you know, you know, walking into the lion's den. Uh, but there's nobody out really saying, hey, look, enough is enough. And 
here's what we need to do and here's how we should do it. And it's, it's a it's completely uninspiring crowd uh, on the right. Yeah. Well, the, the politicians, uh, uh, the business leaders who are all in on wokeness, uh, CRT, ESG, uh, it's they actually should be, in my opinion, prosecuted for fraud uh, and, and a violation of their fiduciary duties. Uh, all of the CEOs and the C- chief financial officers of those corporations who are indulging in that nonsense of the left, the Marxist left, uh, it is truly uh, abhorrent. Uh, But to your point, I've been calling for this for a long time, and I'm going to start raising my voice now. It is time for every Republican leader, every business leader, every leader in this in this society of ours, law, education, you name it, stand up and demand, demand that this corrupt federal government sit down and back off from Donald Trump. And from the 80 million Americans who voted for him, but also for the 300 million Americans who deserve better than this from what is a great constitutional republic that is being reduced to rubble by this uh, this puppet impaired president who is compromised by China, by Romania, Ukraine, you name it. It's time right now to stand up for President Trump. And I mean every single American, whether you're left wing or right, it doesn't matter. What we are seeing is sordid. It is sullying this country, this great nation, our heritage and our future. And it is time for the ignorance to end right now. I beg of you, I pray that we can do this and do it as Americans united in the right thing for the right reasons and this is without question a republic that is worthy of being saved. And we need to make certain we are worthy of this republic. And the one leader who has actually done something for this country in the past decade. Uh, your thoughts, Chris? I agree with you because what they're talking about with regard to the treatment of Trump is this vilification uh, at a level that. Uh, you know, it's remarkable that he has the character and stamina that he does, because many other people would just fold. They either just say, you know what, I've had enough, go to hell, and they leave the field altogether. Uh, you know, or they, frankly, they'd have a breakdown. You know, <laughs> they, they would uh, they would be incapacitated in some way based on the, the criticism, the pressure, uh, the harassment, uh, the legal fees, the, the, all these different ways they try to break him. And uh, as you pointed out, whether you're on the left or the right, just remember uh, that, you know, history has a way of kind of flipping this around the other direction. So whether it's next year or whether it's 10 years from now, you have a government that goes in the opposite direction. All these tools are now available, right? Everybody, you know, what goes around comes around. Good for the goose, good for the gander. So now which, uh, which political operative of the left wishes to be demonized and treated the way that Trump has been treated? And tell me how, why I can't do it to somebody on the left now, because you've already set the standard. You've, here's where the bar is, and we know we can go so far, so why can't I do it to you? And that, that's the corrosive thing for our country. As you pointed out, the consequences, the long-term it shreds the Constitution. It tears at the fabric of the nation because it's not just about Trump. It's about the government being used as a political 
all the intelligence and law enforcement apparatus being used as a political weapon to destroy your opponent. That's banana republic stuff. And we can't afford to go there whether you love Trump or you hate him or whether you're looking you know, at, a, at the current political crisis or who knows what's going to go on 10 years from now when the whole thing could be turned on its head. We can't continue to operate this way. Yeah, I wish I had your confidence, Chris, that we'd be here in 10 years. Uh, we need to get this done now. I, and I can't underline that I enough for, for this audience. I'm not sure we can make it to 2024 unless we come to terms with the corruption we face and to root it out now. Uh, an example, the most recent example, uh, the, the judge in the Stormy Daniels case setting, uh, setting a court date right in the middle of the primary election next year for the court date for Donald Trump. Uh, this is the yeah, kind of nonsense. It's another stunt, right? This is another yeah. political stunt. Yeah, it's a political stunt, but it is also uh, interference in an election uh, by a New York state judge uh, who, you know, I, I have to tell you, I have a... I have a very hard time constraining my tongue about what I think should uh, happen to this 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 judge uh, who is unworthy of the name, uh, certainly in all that it once implied. Uh, but anyway, I won't. I'll resist that. And I know you're not accustomed to me doing that, Chris, but I'm going to constrain myself. Uh, you're, you've, set an, you've set a great example for me throughout the, our, our professional lives, and you are uh, a, a great American. We appreciate you being with us, Chris. Chris Farrell of Judicial Watch, thank you and God bless you. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. And that's all for us this week. Our guest here Monday will be the former chief of the Capitol Police, Stephen Sund. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi made Sun the earliest scapegoat for January 6th. We talked with him about that, about what went wrong that day, and who should be held accountable. This as hundreds of Americans remain in the D.C. Gulag, effectively political prisoners of the Marxist Dems, the Deep State, and the Biden regime. Stephen Sund, our guest here Monday. Please join us. Have a great weekend. See you Monday. Till then... Thanks, everybody. God bless you, and God bless America.